Dear listeners, please know this is not the full film of Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side of Dimensions. Rather, this is a review for the English dub of Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side of Dimensions. The film can be legally streamed on Hulu, purchased on home video from Right Stuff, Amazon, or wherever home video is sold. Please support the official release. Sincerely, The Dub Talk Podcast. Warning, the Dub Talk podcast contains language and content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there will be spoilers for the subject of today's episode, as well as possible spoilers for any and all other anime series. Please use caution in case there is a series or film that you haven't seen yet. Finally, the opinions expressed in today's episode are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Okay, I've got my Pokeballs and my Pokedex ready and raring to go. It's time to try and catch them up. Wait, seriously? We covered a Pokemon movie last year? Damn it. Okay, um, I'm gonna go grab my Digivice and my Godamon plushie and... Are you fucking kidding me? What do you mean we covered a Digimon film two years ago? What the hell else am I gonna do? You know what? Screw it. Everyone always takes the fun ones. I'm going to go play Duel Links instead. It's too frustrating to even figure out. All right, whatever comes next, just enjoy the episode or whatever. Welcome back to season three of Dub Talk Summer at the Movies. My name is Stephanie, and I'm bringing on the nostalgia today with my faded rival, Gigi. Uh oh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. What? Where is your heart? Isn't your heart the heart of the cards? <laughs> no. no, no, no. Today, <laughs> no, not today. <laughs> We're off to a great fucking start. It's been a long day, Gigi. We got we both got out of work late. It's great. <laughs> I gotta channel my inner Seto Kaiba to get through this episode. Yes! <laughs> the Pharaoh. I will channel my inner Pharaoh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> today we're putting the fate of the world and our own lives on the line as we throw down some face downs and summon all of our most powerful monsters. For our episode of Summer of the Movies, we will be putting our faith in the heart of the cars and tackling the dub of the 2016 film Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side of Dimensions, which is considered a sequel film to the original Yu-Gi-Oh! series that ran in Japan from 2000 to 2004, making this film making it over 10 years since the release of the series. It's been yeah. a decade, basically. And that's just saying something. Hey, man, I never watched Yu-Gi-Oh! when it was on TV. This is all new to me. I kind of did a little <laughs> bit. I didn't get to finish the whole thing. I got when I was watching it as a as a teen, as a young teen, because it was on TV like when I was 13, 14 years old. I'm like four kids. Um, I got to the Seal of Orcalco storyline bit. And then I kind of got lost a bit <laughs> and I never got to finish it. I own all of the original Yu-Gi-Oh! though. I own everything but the last volume, and I got to the dragon part, the dragon arc or whatever, and then I stopped watching because I got bored. 
Yeah. Once once Pegasus was gone, I was like, I'm out. So she only watched one core and then she just quit. <laughs> I, I am on like the fourth box set. That's a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh. It is. I have the complete set that oh, that's on right stuff. That's the one I have. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so we're just talking about Yu-Gi-Oh right now. We're off to a great start. I think. Side note: When we were picking out movies for this year. We just, like, someone threw out the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie and instantly Gigi and I are like, fuck yeah! <laughs> that was last summer that I, we decided we were going to do the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie. I think that was last summer that we just it, straight up decided it. And then when it got brought up, we're like, bitch, we're doing this. It was like A-Fest and we were like, we should do the Yu-Gi-Oh! movie. And we're like, and we're doing it. And like, fuck yeah. Because <laughs> I think we're the only ones who would obsessively talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! It's kind of hilarious, actually. I know, um, right? I know. So right away, if you know what happens in Yu-Gi-Oh, I'm not going to explain the massive plot of it, because that will take forever. Uh, But I will go over a quick plot summary of the film, which means I'm instantly slapping a spoiler warning for those who haven't watched the original series. Leave right now before you're spoiled on the end of the show. Good? Because I was. I I am too. (laughs) I know exactly (laughs) what happens. Um, So anyway. Six months after the end of the original series, Yugi Moto and his friends are preparing to graduate from high school. While Yugi still feels like he's lost a part of himself, he's come to terms with the Pharaoh's passing, now looking forward to the future alongside of his classmates. However, other people may not be so willing to let the past alone. Seto Kaiba still yearns to assert his dueling dominance over the ancient king, desperately searching for a way to revive him. On the cusp of accomplishing this, his plans are foiled by a mysterious stranger, Aigami, who holds power over dimensions. So apparently there's this thing called an 8th millennium item. (laughs) Nobody knew about, except for this film. Anyway. uh, (laughs) I didn't think, like, at the end they called it the 8th millennium item. I'm like, that's a fucking bullshit. (laughs) I'm like, there's only seven. I've always known it as seven. Stop it. They just need an excuse. They do. It's called a plot device. Yep. It works, I guess. Uh, As we always do around here, we'll be tackling the dub of the film, discussing the cast, performances, and overall dub. Playtime is over. It's time to duel. Yes, queen. Hold on. Let me get out my blue eyes white dragon. Dark Magician, let's go. All three of them. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a Dark Magician girl in there, baby. You can probably tell which of the guys in the show we like best so fucking fast. But can you? Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Uh. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, <laughs> let us start with the ADR director and the screenplay. We have three screenplay writers attached to this film. So our ADR director is Darren Dunstan. He has directed other works such as Yu-Gi-Oh! The Bonds Beyond Time. He's actually the director from Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel moving forward. Uh, He's also been involved with Dinosaur King and Pokemon Advance. For screenplay writers, we have Arthur Murakami, who has been the writer for Bonds Beyond Time film as well. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Arc V, but he's also mostly served as an advisor and translation for various other seasons of Yu-Gi-Oh! We also have Matthew Dedick, who has been the scriptwriter for Tokyo Mew Mew, Ultimate Muscle, and Yu-Gi-Oh! GX, and Yu-Gi-Oh! Zexel moving forward. And Shane... Oh, Jesus. I'm going to butcher this. Shane... I apologize. Junigo? 
who is mostly a writer for Yu-Gi-Oh! in general. He originally got his start from Yu-Gi-Oh! GX Season 3 and moving forward from that. So, how are we going to start this off? What are, we, what, are we, what are we thinking about the directing and writing on the film here? So, this movie, as I was reading on Wikipedia, was supposed to be some kind of anniversary special. Yeah. I believe, like, a 20th Yu-Gi-Oh! anniversary, like... Yeah, because Yu-Gi-Oh! is a hell of a lot older than the show, and it's actually originally a manga. And yeah. there's actually a original, there's actually a first Yu-Gi-Oh! series that came out in the late 90s and just didn't really take off. So that's the way I had to go about watching this movie, was that it was kind of like a love letter to the original series. Mm-hmm. And for me, I never watched Yu-Gi-Oh! in Japanese. I've only watched the four kids dub. As probably everyone in North America did. <laughs> right. So it's like, okay, so you that's have to go only back. Du- that's the only language track we know. Well, you have, to, I mean, it's on Crunchyroll subtitled, but you have to, you have to kind of like go back and like, compare it almost to the tv show because they dubbed that what at least 15 years ago and now they're still playing the same characters who have only aged slightly yeah i mean i would say because if it started in 2000 i think maybe it started on four kids maybe about 2002 maybe at least or maybe sooner than that i think this movie was released in 2017 over here yeah in japan it was 2016 but i think 2017 for north america yeah, so the way you got to think about it is these these actors have been playing these characters for about 15 years, minus the new characters that were introduced in this movie. Yeah. Um, and of course, everybody watching the movie is going to want to see exactly what they saw when they were kids, but now elevated because they're older and they'll get more jokes, like they'll get more stupid things that are going on. Mm-hmm. So um, the way I felt about the writing was personally... I love the stupid four kids jokes and I love all the dumb puns and I love everything about it because it's just so stupid, (laughs) but it would like keep my attention when I was watching it. So it wasn't just like a normal straight translation of a show. There would be dumb jokes in there. So I like that. I like that they kept some in here, but they did play a lot of it kind of straight. Yeah. Um, I thought it had a slightly more serious tone, especially because all the kids are graduating and at the end they're moving away and everybody's crying and ah, like it's come back, Taya. We I need know. you. We need the estrogen in this fucking group of testosterone. God. <laughs> Faye Valentine, where are you? Wait, that's <laughs> not even her name, is it? Maya Valentine. Oops. My sorry. Valentine. Oh, sorry. My favorite female. My favorite female I loved her. Um, Personally, I thought it could have used more cheesy writing and more stupid jokes like Joey's Dirty Water Hot Dogs. And I was like, I know what a dirty water hot dog is because I spent a lot of time in Jersey. (laughs) But I'm like, okay, if somebody starts talking about water ice, I'm like, we've really had it now, fam. (laughs) Um, But as for the directing, I mean, I thought that he made it less cheesy sounding, but it still had the charm of the original, which is... Mm -hmm what it needed and he made sure that every performance in the movie sounded more mature because the characters technically did age up six months right and i mean 15 years later not everybody's gonna sound the same as they did 15 years ago shit i i don't um puberty is a thing that exists ladies and gentlemen it's true the men would especially know this 
God damn it. Don't make me start singing that Brady Bunch song. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but uh, I thought they did a good job because this movie was kind of, you know, like a like a little pinpoint mm-hmm. in the end of the Yu-Gi-Oh series, the original Yu-Gi-Oh series. Right. And I thought it was it was a good love letter back to it. It kept the charm of the original, but made it more mature. But it still kept some dumb jokes. And personally, I would have enjoyed more dumb jokes. But for all the people who hate when four kids dub anything, like I'm sure they probably would like this a little bit more than the original. I mean, I like the dumb jokes too sometimes. I'll admit the it. They're the best. Especially when they re- they're really good. They're really, really stupid. <laughs> you get such a great kick out of it. Um, but yeah, like, this film, like, it, it you, you do have to take into consideration that it is it basically an anniversary special. Absolutely. But, kind of like G- what Gigi, kind of like what you're saying, Gigi, um, it does keep the heart and the spirit of the original series intact. It just elevates it and also to an extent modern up like update and modernizes it a bit because it's been a hot minute since we've heard these people voice these characters so obviously because way back in the early 2000s like dubbing anime in general was still not as huge of a market as it is now so the quality probably obviously back then wasn't that fantastic hence the so many cheesy goddamn jokes we get so one the quality of the film itself is just like stellar but the quality of the dub also improved a lot too so not only because they've aged like these six months but it sounds so much more smoother it flows so naturally and it's probably, and I think a lot of people who see this movie will say the same thing. It's probably the best that Yu-Gi-Oh had ever sounded or has ever sounded. Oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. And the best Yu-Gi-Oh has ever looked. It looks fucking phenomenal. It looks like, amazing. I was, I was literally watching it on my TV and I was like, holy shit, this is Yu-Gi-Oh. This is what Yu-Gi-Oh could have been. Like, this is amazing. Like, if they were to reboot that shit, I'd be for it. Oh, yeah. Like, reboot it with the style from the film. Like, absolutely. Um. But yeah, it just it just sounds much more smooth and it flows much more nicely because back in the early 2000s when the show the show was dubbed, oh my god, there were moments where it just was not that good. No. And I mean, granted, Four Kids is not the brightest bulb in the box when it comes to dubbing shit, especially way back then. But coming back to it now, like. It is definitely a love letter to the to the original, and it's such a fun, fun time. The direction and the writing, I think, were just spectacular. Granted, the film has a much more dramatic and serious tone than what your what your normal Yu-Gi-Oh fan is probably used to, um, with less comedic tones. And it still has those moments, which is great. But at the end of the day, it's a love letter to the show, and it's just. update too to the dub and i think it just sounds fantastic and i mean if i remember right one of the actors i think he was retired supposedly but came back just to voice this specific character too oh really i didn't know that i think don't quote me on it um it it, uh from what i read i think it was seto kaiba who (gasps) was who came back just to do this role I think, don't quote me on it, I'd have to look it up. But, um, 
Yeah, because he wasn't voice acting anymore for a while. If I remember hearing correctly. But they managed to get him back. And the fact that they managed to basically get all of the characters we know and love back here, it's great. And the new additions, too, for the film specifically, they just sound fantastic as well. I mean, when we get, when we get to Aigami, holy fucking shit, he sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm like, dude. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, like in general, if you are a huge fan of the franchise and especially the original, um, you're going to love the film. Just no going into it. It's not the same tone as the original. Nope. Not at all. But it's a great love letter and the dub is just like such an updated dub and it sounds fantastic. That's that all you really need to know. Yeah, it's also very long. They could have shaved a good half hour out of it and I wouldn't have been sad. Yeah, it was like two hours. <laughs> oh, it was over two hours. Like I saw the yeah. runtime on Hulu and I was like, you gotta be shitting me. Yeah, I, I saw that too. I was looking on Cage and I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a fun time. I was hyped for the whole thing while we were watching it. While I was watching it. It was great. Anyway, we have some characters we gotta talk about. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> our first few characters, while they are very, very minor, um, one of the characters we're going to talk about in particular does play a pretty, does have a kind of plot relevancy to him. So we're going to talk about Yugi's grandpa, Solomon Moto, and we have Shadi. Shadi is a, um, from the series, he's the possessor of one of the seven millennium items, and he's kind of like this guide and like, not necessarily a prophet of sorts, um, but he's really involved in terms of like Yugi learning about the spirit of the Millennium Puzzle, the Pharaoh or Yami, and just pops in on occasion. He actually plays a very integral plot. He has some plot relevancy for the film. And here's what's f funny that and I realized this last night when putting this together. We got a double dose of Wayne Grayson in here. Oh my god, I saw that before we did this, and I was like... <laughs> I didn't like... realize it until I was putting this together last night. But, um, <sighs> Wayne Grayson voices both Solomon Moto and Shadi. And uh, some of the roles that you have probably heard him in, he's also been in Slayer's Next, Bakuman, and Napping Princess for something we actually talked about, because I, I talked about Nap Napping Princess last year um, for some of the movies. Uh, GG. I know this section is probably going to be relatively short. Because, like, Yugi's grandpa doesn't really do much. He only pops in for a couple scenes. And I know Shadi. Shadi has a larger role, though. Um, but what do you think about the performance? I only wrote one note. And we haven't talked about it yet. So all I'm going to say is these were both spoiler redacted. God damn. <laughs> spoiler redacted. <laughs> Am That's I allowed all I... to know the spoiler? We can, yeah. We can cut it out. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I didn't know. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with it. No. <laughs> I, I read it on fucking wiki and I was like, wiki, why? Yep. Oh, oh Wayne Grayson. Well, you've done a lot of things. You've played two right now completely different characters i would also like to say two more words and those are <laughs> shit hashtag cute crew y'all know anyway so we're, we're good fam happy grandpa shoddy who i i don't remember from this movie but i remember from the series yeah 
So they're very, they're very varied voices, like very varied. So like it's an, a testament to the talent of Wayne Grayson who can do two totally completely different voices here yeah. and still make them sound well shoddy was very like believable and like grandpa is very comedic grandpa if you've yeah. known Yu-Gi-Oh for a long point in time so mm-hmm. good on you Wayne Grayson spoiler redacted <laughs> we'll talk about the spoiler in a little bit um, yeah there's not a lot to talk about in this section, the, um, both of them are rather minor characters, especially um, Solomon Moto. Um, here's the thing I didn't know, and actually Andrew pointed it out to me last night after I finished the movie. So, Wayne Grayson's not the original voice of Solomon Moto. Oh, really? Yeah. It was actually someone else, and um, they had passed away um, a while ago, and Wayne Grayson basically took over the role. And here's the weird part. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was the same. Yep, exactly. So that's definitely a testament to Wayne Grayson's range and talent, like that he can basically almost vocal match this original performance too. Um, as for Shadi, uh, Shadi is <sighs> Shadi is very interesting. I don't know much about Shadi from the original series. I only know of, like, the two or three instances where he pops up out of nowhere. I know he becomes, I think, more integral in the final season of the show um, when they go to Egypt. But, um, I mean, it sounds fine. He so, Shadi is kind of, like, very spiritual. Like, very zen-sounding to me, if that makes sense. Um, and you can yep. kind of tell. And that makes it a very distinct personality. And I kind of enjoy that a lot, all things considered. And... Plot relevancy is shoddy. Because I didn't fucking know shoddy actually died a long ass time ago. Because Millennium Ring is an asshole. <laughs> That's basically what it comes down to. Millennium Ring is a fucking asshole and we all know it. Um, but yeah, like, these two roles, like you, they're very different and they are very diverse. And that says, that speaks volumes to Wayne Grayson as an actor that he's capable of doing these kinds of voices. There's not really a lot to talk about with these two. I'm just trying to say, good job, Mr. Grayson. Um, I think we can probably move on to the next two characters, though. Okay, let me get out my other blue eyes white dragon. You're gonna need it. Because uh, speaking mm-hmm. of the Millennium Ring asshole... Um, <laughs> Technically, it's not his fault, though. Uh, so our next two characters, we have Ryu Bakura, or just Bakura in the show. And we have Mokuba Kaiba, which is Seto Kaiba's little brother. Uh, so Bakura, uh, he is being reprised by Ted Lewis, who has been in series such as Gokudo. Uh, he's also more well-known as Jack Atlas from Yu-Gi-Oh! 5, 5Ds. And he was actually... I believe, if I'm right, he voiced Giovanni in Pokemon the first movie. As well as a few other Pokemon iterations as well. As for Mokuba, he is voiced by Miss Terra Sands, who is, I think, among the list that we have, among the characters that we have here in the voice actors listed, she's probably one of the more well-known in the anime world. Um, she's had she's had roles in Anohana, Hunter x Hunter, and Magic Knight Ray Earth. So, where do we want to start? Wasn't Terra Sands a My Little Pony? Probably. I, I looked this shit up on ANN. Like, they wouldn't list My Little Pony as a thing. 
That's all I remember. Well, Mr. Bakura. Very, very much soft Bakura. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the series where he was batshit crazy. At this point, because um, at this point, he doesn't have the Millennium Ring. No, we, we no. We find out both, I think, in both the end of the series, but it also gets shown again in the film. After um, Yamayuki or Atem, um, after Yugi defeats him and he just goes on his way and passes to the other side, basically things cave in in the, tomb, in the tomb that they're in and there goes all the Millennium Eyes, including the Millennium Ring. <sighs> Rip. So, bye-bye, Evil Bakura. Sad, because he... I liked him a lot as Evil Bakura. I wanted to kick him to the sun. <laughs> I hated him. I'm sorry. You know I like bad guys. I know you do. Um, so he doesn't talk a lot in this movie, but yeah. from what I heard, it sounded much smoother, mm -hmm. of course, than the old original dub. Um, they also, like, all the characters made a big deal about his accent and how like heavy and how like cute it was for all the girls or whatever. I love um, that that was a running joke in the film. But I actually felt that it was less heavy than it was in the series. So I was like, why are they making such a big deal out of this? Cause it's not, it's not as pronounced as it was, but then again, everybody's accent wasn't as pronounced as it was because they're yeah. trying to like not overact. It so wasn't I get like it. so hard hitting like with, with Bakura and Joey and especially too. Yes. Joey has that specific like Brooklyn accent through the whole show. It's not as pronounced. So I I think it's a lot better. Yeah, I mean, it, it is better, but I'm just like, oh, you're going to make that joke, but you got to make the joke work. So I was just like, okay, whatever. Um I liked it. It was very smooth. I like a smooth talker. I was sad that Evil Bakura Bakura didn't Bakura. come back. <laughs> Ba I'm thinking about Bakugo. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that's, the, uh, uh, that's the wrong angry child. I know. Um, and then we have Mokuba. Um, I always forget about Mokuba. Always. Like when he came in the movie, I was like, who the fuck is this? And then I was like, oh, I forgot Kaiba has Mokuba a is very, looks very different in the movie. Yeah. I was just like, I didn't know who the hell this was. Um, I I thought it was super cute. and But this has to do with the writing. He's very... For those people who don't like this, he's very dude bro-y. Yeah. Like, he calls Kaiba bro a lot. And I'm like, I know he's actually your brother. I but mean, I'd feel that... better if you were calling your friend a bro. Like, I'm just like, I don't get it. I mean, there's a, there's an excuse they can get away with, so. Yeah. Um, But Tara actually sounds like a little boy. So mm -hmm. I was like, hey, good job, girl. Um. And, like, you could feel, like, the loyalness in the tone that she used mm -hmm. towards Kaiba. So I was like, okay, so I believe you. Yeah. That's great. So if you're a believable, especially when you're a female, you know, playing a little boy character, it's super hit or miss for me. But this one was a hit. So I'm glad. Yeah. And I think she was a My Little Pony. I think she's Rainbow Dash. I'm going to Google it. You talk. Okay. You have fun with that. Um... So yeah, again, a lot of these performances in the whole film are smoother. So since these are the first two actual, actual like returning roles, like ma like in the major cast, really, um, Bakura, Bakura, like like you were saying, he's much more quiet, and I think that's a nice change of pace considering how batshit he was in the series because of the Millennium Ring, and. Um, Though I will say this, baby batshit Bakura is batshit. 
Because <laughs> remember that flashback um, in Aigami's and Bakura's memories about the night that um, Bakura's dad tried to take the Millennium Ring? Oh, yeah. And then baby Bakura... Because dad was like, can you, you need to go get it, please. And then he goes, get it. And then, of course, Millennium Ring just, like, possesses him. And then we have batshit beaten Bakura. I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, there it is, except in child form. <laughs> um, Bakura is a character, mostly the spirit of Millennium Ring, though. I want to punch into the sun. I do not like that character at all. He's a dick. Same as uh, Yami Merrick, but that's another story. Um... But he's a lot more quiet. It's a lot more smooth. Um, like you said, the accent's not as hard-hitting and it's not enunciated as hard, which I think with Bakura, for Ted Lewis and Bakura, and, and again, Joey Wheeler, when we get to him, um, makes things a lot more smoother because when the original show, it just was like so succinct and staccato at times and it was very rough around the edges. Um, so I think smoothing it out and having that much more of a flow to it definitely worked in Ted Lewis's favor. And as for Tara, Mo Mokuba has always also been a voice that was very iffy to me in the show. Like, yes, he sounds like a boy, which is awesome, but sometimes it sounds like a very scratchy, obnoxious, screechy boy <laughs> in the show. And same thing here. This is going to be the same comment that's going to be coming through the entire fucking time we're here tonight. It's a lot more smooth. It's a lot more refined. Bakura has also matured a little bit, too. Like, I know you said, like, who the fuck this kid? Because he's dressed in, like, this, like, basically, like, this suit of some kind. This white jacket and shit. And I'm like, oh my god, Bakura, uh, Mokuba, you matured a little bit here, child. Oh my god. I thought it was actually, like, a few years since the original show. Because I thought these, these guys were, like... Maybe freshmen, sophomores, and then come to find out it's six months after the events, like, the show ends. And I'm like, really? That has not been six months. That's horseshit. But, um, Tara, she sounds absolutely amazing. Um, my criticism about the Mokuba in the show aside, like, it's a lot more refined and mature. And Mokuba will, will kick your ass. Like, he will kick- Mokuba is an ass kicker. Like, he'll kick your ass, take names, just doesn't fucking care. Like, you're in my house now, bitches. It's great. Um, and I love that Tara got to have those little moments here and there. Because, like, when Aigami got locked up in this chamber thing, and he's like, you better cooperate. You're in our turf now. I'm like, yeah, Mokuba, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it was adorable. Um, but yeah, both of these performances, they're mu again, they're much more refined and much more smoothed out. Uh, and I think they were just fantastic. Um, nice upgrades. Uh, we good for the next set of characters? I lied. Tara Sands is not in My Little Pony. She is, however, in the Ray Earth OVA <laughs> playing Hikaru. I said Ray Earth. I know you where. did. But you now you know exactly where. Now I know who she is. Um, and I never watched the Ray Earth OVA dubbed. But we won't get into that. No, fam. That's not this summer at the movies. I haven't seen Ray Earth, Ray Earth at all, so... Oops, it Ray, is. The Ray Earth OVA is literally like my favorite OVA of all time. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, do we want to talk about the power of friendship? I don't like friends. Who wants friends? Well, now I feel mildly insulted. 
But no one told you life was gonna be this way. Your life's a joke. You're broke. Your love life's DOA. It's like you're always stuck in second gear. When it hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even your year. I know this song. I'm trying to remember it now. But I'll be there for you. Oh, God. There it is. (laughs) I was like, wait. I know this. I'm like, where the fuck is this going? This is going to a place where copyrights can't claim it. It's spoken word. They can't do shit. (laughs) Ha ha. Anyway. um, So (laughs) our next trio we're, we're going to get into the actual, like, main cast, I guess, at this point. Because you can kind of say Mokuba and Bakura were secondary in this. Um, but these are also considered three of the major, major characters from the series itself. We have Yugi's group of friends, boys and girls. So we have Joey Wheeler. <gasps> we got Taya Gardner. And we have Tristan Taylor. So... I'm going to work my work from the bottom, go back up. So Tristan Taylor, he's being reprised by, because there were actually two voices originally in the original show. I believe Sam Regal was the first one. But then we have Greg Abbey, who is reprising the role, um, who has been in series such as Tai Chi Chasers, Sonic X, and he is the voice, if I remember correctly, he is... Yep. He's the voice of the lead character, Yusei Fudo, from Yu-Gi-Oh! 5Ds. Now, for Taya Gardner, we have Miss Amy Brinbaum. I probably mispronounced your name. I apologize. She has been in series such as Kirby Right Back At You, Pokemon 2000, uh, the movie, and Sonic X as well. And Joey Wheeler. We're going back to Gigi's redacted spoiler. Redacted! Not anymore. It is Wayne Grayson. Uh, he is also reprising the role as well. He has been in series such as Angel Sanctuary, Terra Story, and since it's currently in production and has been confirmed, he is in the dub for the upcoming kickstarted Emma of Victorian Romance. Can't wait for that. Look forward to that dub talk Same. episode. Bitch, we got to do this. Let's we are. It. We're Absolutely. already. We're already in this. Yeah. I'm all. I'm all in for the accents, guys. I gotta remember to buy season two. <laughs> I don't remember if I did or not. I think I'm missing the art book. I'll figure it out. Yeah, I. I was gonna order the art book and season two at some point. I haven't done that yet. Anyway, what do we think about the power of friendship? The f- power of friendship <sighs> and the heart of the cards, Gigi. The heart of the cards. Well, my heart belongs to Joey Wheeler. Joey was, is, and always will be my favorite good guy in Yu-Gi-Oh. I love Joey Wheeler so much. He's still got the Jersey, New York accent, which I'm going to slip into, I'm sure, as I talk about him. Um, But he's not as obnoxious. And just like we've been saying about all the other characters with all the other accents, like... They've toned it down to the point of 2017, 2019, whatever, standards of dubbing where, yeah, the accent's funny. Why is there a choice for this accent? Well, now we made that choice. We got to keep it. But let's just make it like not as grating and not as obnoxious as it was 15 years ago, which is great because Joey Wheeler sounds so fantastic. Oh my god, it's the best that Joey Wheeler ever sounded. I know! I love him so much! Um, And you can tell just by his voice, and not 
with the accent, but just his voice in general, that Joey has grown up a little, especially towards the end when he gets like locked in his dream dimension of himself or whatever. And the he has end, to... that's like partway through. That's like the middle, Gigi. Is it? The end is the <laughs> stupid pseudo tournament that Kaiba sets up for horseshit reasons. Because oh, I gotta yeah. revive the Pharaoh. You have the other pieces of the Millennium Plus. I yeah. want them. Fight me. I, I, I kind of zoned out for that part. Except Good job. Kaiba was on. Um, but yeah, no, I really, I really, as Joey is my favorite good guy forever and ever, I really felt that this was such a good performance by Wayne Grayson. Like he took this obnoxious dude and turned him into still slightly obnoxious, but funny obnoxious as opposed to annoying obnoxious. I would say lovable. Lovable will be the word I use, honestly. I love Joey. I love there him it so is. much. I love him. Um... Taya, to me, her voice sounded the most matured out of all of them yeah. in the movie. But you know how they say like girls mature faster than boys, whatever. It was if it was a conscious choice, I think it was a good choice that was made. Um, but it's been a while since I've seen the original. I don't know. I've never really liked Taya. She's always felt kind of flat to me. So not to say that the performance was necessarily flat, but I just think her character is flat. Like I think Taya, one one note, Taya. Yeah, Taya's Taya in the show. Unfortunately, it was one of the more underutilized characters. She yeah. kind of had the one note or the one shtick that she kind of got stuck with. Unfortunately, so her character she didn't really get a lot of character growth. Unfortunately, even even with a long ass show like this. Right, and you can tell that um, her voice actress is doing her absolute best to work with whatever she could for Taya, especially taking that little note of maturity to the next level. Yeah. Um, so good for her. It's it's Taya. I just I don't like the character of Taya. Um, Tristan also a character I never really enjoyed. Never really liked Tristan. I was just like, why is he here? Can't this just be the Joey and Kaiba show? I don't understand. That's not how this um, works. But I feel that his performance in the show is much less manic than it's ever been. Right. So that's good. Because I always felt that Tristan was just very like tall and stoic and manic at the same time. I know it's hard to to lump those together. But it might be because I'm remembering the first voice actor for Tristan. Yeah, the first voice actor for Tristan was not the greatest. It was worse. Mm. I just, I'm not a huge Tristan character wise fan, um, but this performance was very mellow Yeah, and you kind of have to be mellow to balance out Joey and Kaiba. Like you have to have this mellowness in the center mm -hmm. to center those two off the wall characters. And while Yugi, you know, is probably supposed to be the balance in the center of everything. Like I've always felt that Tristan and Taya were just kind of there to like anchor them. Mm -hmm. So I, I felt that in the performance here, especially like when they're not doing anything, but they're just like dicking around like at high school. <laughs> and I was like, OK, like I believe I believe that you're all friends and that's it's not it's not awkward, which yeah. was good. Yeah, I can believe it, too. Um, yeah, Tristan and Taya, they the two of them in terms of the main cast, they've always been the underutilized ones. Um and not really getting that much development. 
Um, Tristan is uh, unfortunately in the show usually seen as kind of an idiot, similar to Joey. Like, he has good intentions, he has a lot of guts to him, but he's also a fucking idiot. But he also <laughs> has his moments where he kind of knocks sense into Joey in the show. Because Joey can sometimes be an even worse idiot. <laughs> oh, Joey's the biggest idiot. I love him so much. He is the biggest idiot. He is lovable as shit. Um, so, Greg Abbey, I think, as Tristan, um, like you were saying, absolutely, he's much more mellowed out. He's much... He has a bit more ma- growth and maturity to him. Um, he doesn't get to do a lot in the film itself uh, compared to some of the other characters. He's kind of just there like Tristan normally is. Um, again, Tristan is an underutilized character and never really develops in the span of however many fucking episodes there are. Um, Taya and Amy. So Taya, again, underutilized, but... Like you also said, and I th- I agree with you completely, she has a lot more maturity to her at this go-around. Because in the original series, she has that one note, it's all about friendship. It's all about friendship. We're friends. We're friends. We gotta be there for each other. We'll make it through. That's always been her shtick in the show. Here, it's still there. It's not as pushy and persistent, which that's a credit to the writing for sure, though. Yeah, so, Taya really was less bitchy in this. I wouldn't call her bitchy. Maybe that's why I don't like Taya. Maybe. I would say she's a little less pushy on the friendship department. But um, she definitely has, she's definitely a lot more mature sounding. She's definitely grown a bit. So in the film, I think she kind of, she kind of has grown into the heart of the group. Like, Yugi balances everything out, and the four of them originally became friends because of Yugi and because of the spirit of the Millennium Puzzle in the first place. But Taya definitely is the heart of the group. That's kind of how I felt about her in the, sh- the original show and in the film. It's still here. Um, she's less pushy about it, though, which I really like a lot. Um, but that's more writing-wise, and I think, ca- I think character-wise, this is the best in terms of character development and growth I've seen for Taya as a character compared to the show. So having Amy like get a little bit more meat to Taya is just fantastic to see. Uh, And as for (laughs) Joey Wheeler. (laughs) Jenny Water Dog. Yeah, Joey Wheeler. I can't do it. Oh God. Pretend that you're the nanny. <laughs> Fran Drescher, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's not even it. Fuck. I need to shut up now. Um, so, Wayne Grayson. S- same note as Ted Lewis's Bakora. The accent, while it's still there, it's not as stagnant. It's not as like a staccato. It's not that hard-hitting and pushing. So it's a bit more relaxed, and that's fantastic. Like, Joey is an idiot. And Joey in the show, there were moments where I'm like, what the fuck you doing? Even as a 13, 14-year-old watching the show, I'm like, what the fuck, Joey? There you go. You got it now. What the fuck, Joey? (laughs) God! Anyway, um... So, for Wayne, he still... 
a Brooklyn sounding nerd and he's always been that lovable nerdy idiot. And now he's just like, I'm gonna be the best duelist in the world. I'm gonna go pro. <laughs> That's his dream. It's actually really, I think another actual really good thing that I like in this film is they're talking about the future. Like they've been, the show itself, they kind of been stuck on the past for a while, especially with um, Yami as the center of it because of that. So it's nice, it's a nice shift and it's a nice change, I think, for these characters to talk about their future. Because, like, Taya is after school, she's gonna go study a dance abroad. Uh, Joey wants to become a professional duelist. Tristan, I think he was gonna work at his dad's factory, from my understanding. And um, Yugi wants to work with his grandpa at the game shop, but he actually wants to create his own games while he's at it. So... It's, it's a very interesting growth of the character, and I like it a lot. But yeah, Joey's a lovable idiot, and it just sounds, again, much more refined. Um, he's he's the one character that has the least growth in maturity, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also Joey, and he's a fucking moron, and I love him anyway. Um, but yeah, he's... He, it's much more refined. It's not... The accent, especially, is not as hard-hitting and stagnant it's much it's like much more easier to listen to and um he's still such a wonderful lovable idiot and he's so great and i love the comedic moments with him because joey mostly has the comedy comedic moments in the film thank tristan god will, tristan will sometimes have them uh, but it's mostly joey <laughs> which as it should be because joey is unfortunately the butt monkey of the show <laughs> Nine times out of ten, put him back in the dog costume again. He was a fucking I love him dog, in the dog again. Costume. He was a fucking dog again. All you people trying to turn me into a furry, god damn it. He was a dog again, and not only that, he was he was <laughs> he was a dog again while Duke Devlin was there. Shout out to Duke Devlin. <laughs> We're not talking about Duke Devlin because he was only in one scene, but shout out to you, sir. I forgot who you who you are. Duke Devlin's also one of my favorite characters. Uh, shout out to Mark Thompson. M shout out to Mark Thompson for Duke Devlin. Oh, sweet lord. Yeah, he was only one scene. It's about like five lines. It's it's fine. <laughs> anyway. Uh, I think we're good to move on to our next set of characters. And these two characters in particular are uh, movie-only characters. So these are the only movie-only characters we're going to be discussing tonight. So we have Aigami and Sarah. They are brother and sister. Uh, they were orphaned rather young and were living a hard life until Shadi rescued the two of them plus several other young kids. And um, Shadi taught these kids the way of... What the fuck is it called? Uh, the, it begins with a P. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't even know if, it, if people were able to freaking pronounce that at all. Like I thought it was pronounced like five different ways. Um, it's basically, it's like, I guess cult is the closest fucking word we can come up with here. Um, so essentially there's this prophecy that if, um, the seven of the millennium items are gathered and the pharaoh passes on to the other side, this, uh, this power, this otherworldly power over dimensions will awaken. And, um... Shadi and these children are the protectors of it, and it is if used for good, it can create a um, peaceful utopia. Um, so obviously, Shadi dies. Aigami is a little shit lord, and uh, he wants revenge for Shadi dying. 
And the because the, the other part of the prophecy is is if the pharaoh was if the spirit of the pharaoh was revived and would come back this power would be lost to them forever so Aigami and Sarah's main mission is to keep the pharaoh from reviving so they don't they, that power doesn't get lost however Aigami is like full blown like revenge stereotype plot here and um he basically like is going after Yugi and the Millennium Puzzle and everything like that for all the wrong reasons. Um, he, he ends up being the central villain of the entire film. Uh, Sarah is his younger sister. Uh, you might also hear us occasionally refer to Aigami as Diva. Diva is actually his real name. He just took on the name of Aigami when he um, infiltrated their high uh, Yugi's high school. Uh, as for... The individuals who voice this char these characters. As Sarah, we have Lori, ha Lori Hims. She's been in, I'm going to say, movies, because she has a couple of prominent movie roles. Fireworks and Liz and the Bluebird. She is also in the series Pokemon Sun and Moon. As for Aigami, we have Daniel J. Edwards. Um, he has been in series and films such as Psychic School Wars, Mobile Suit Gundam Narrative, and because I found this and I was editing this episode and I had to make sure it goes in there, he actually was also in Makia, the place where the promised flower blooms. Um, so, our movie-only characters, these are brand new voices to us. So how do we feel about these new voices? So being a new character, they didn't have to subscribe to, oh, we did this 15 years ago, let's mature. No, they didn't have to go back and do a dumb accent or do whatever. They could do whatever they wanted, really. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought one of them, I don't know if this was their choice, director's choice, whatever. It was a choice that was made. One of them had really good choices and one of them had like kind of bad choices, in my opinion. Really? Um, so I'll go with the good choice first. But I first I'm going to say that Aigami just sounded way too old. Okay. So I understand that because he's going to be super villain later on, mm -hmm. like you have to kind of work up to it. Right. And like a very harsh change in vocal tone would have been really bad. Basically what you're saying is there's no build up and it's like you instantly know from the get go. I didn't really know that he was going to be the villain, to be honest. But really? like when... I just, I was like, who the fuck's this guy? I don't remember him at all. And then I realized he was like a movie only character. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I, and me, I know I kind of sensed that he was going to be. Mostly because one, he's in the promotional art. And I'm like, oh, this must be the villain or some shit. But <laughs> two, it's like, because I got Come me on now. No villain can overshadow Seto Kaiba. He's not really a villain. He's an anti-hero. Get your facts straight. God damn it. <laughs> no, but I think with um, Igami, for me, though, it's like. The first couple of scenes in the film, like, there was this tone that he had that wasn't mysterious at all, but it was like, oh, I'm here. I might be a devious person. Like, I could pick up on that right away. Like, I could tell. I just thought it sounded old, and I was like, who's this old guy <laughs> in high school? And then I was like, okay... He's going to be something because they keep mentioning him. And there, it was it was way too obvious for like, oh, who's that guy in the corner? Nobody knows who that guy is. Oh, wait, yeah. it's Aigami. And I was like, all right. The second that trope comes into play, it's like, okay. Yeah, I just I thought he sounded old, but that's fine. He, he's an, obviously an adult. So 
what I mean, you can't do anything about it. Right. Um, I liked him better when he like grabbed onto his destiny or whatever and was trying to just basically be the crazy villain of the movie yeah which was great for me because i was like okay now we know who you are okay that's why you sound like you're 42 that's fine (laughs) um no 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 but it's fine because i get it like you can't have that huge of like if if Aigami sounded like Mokuba and then all of a sudden became this huge, big CGI cube thing, like with the deep, like, no, that's not going to work. So you have to have him like do the gradual switch to being super villain, which is great. So I thought, um, I'm screen sharing right now. Oh, okay. So that? that is the voice of Aigami. He cute. So he's not a 42 year old. <laughs> That's Sorry. why I brought it up. <laughs> Sorry, cute boy. You sounded 42. How old is he? Uh, Born in 88, so that would make him about 30, actually. Sorry, cute boy. <laughs> so he's about m- basically my age and your age, really. <laughs> so. so, all right. So you're not 42, so I apologize. Igami just sounded very old to me, but it's fine. You need to have that short little progression. I thought it was very good. I thought the choices that were made here were fantastic. Um, just to make him known that he was going to be the big bad here after a while. And I was like, okay, like, I'm down. Like, you're evil. That's great. You're kind of crazy. And you're very, very, very much obsessed with, you know, keep getting revenge for shoddy and for everybody else and whatever's going on um the problem that i had was with his younger sister sarah with that performance um she sounded very princess like and i thought aigami sounded old sarah sounds even older than he does Mm. but that's not it's not the actress sounding old like it's not her that her voice is old it's just that sarah speaks in a very precise almost like a royal way so that when she was talking i thought she was actually a princess or okay. some kind of royalty or maybe a queen like, like a it was just very okay. weird I, can, I see what you're saying like she's a street rat like she's not a princess so i was just kind of like she was a street rat you have your facts wrong again <laughs> Sorry. um now he's a fucking cube i don't know um <laughs> him and his cube um, ass monsters like that I know. I just, I thought she didn't sound like a younger sister. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost, I wanted her to sound like Mokuba. Okay. Like, Mokuba, I got, was a little brother. Sarah, I got, was an older sister. Right. Like, a very older regal princess sister. While Aigami almost had, like, the regal tone to him. Mm-hmm. But not really. So, that's why I felt it didn't quite match for me. Okay. But, um... I mean, with the choices to have the regal tones in here that her actress made, I mean, she did a good job at playing the role. I just, I, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it should be, but it doesn't mean that it was bad. It just means that it was something that played to a different audience or a different part of the character that, that I didn't see. Interesting. So I find it interesting that you weren't a huge fan of Sarah because my brain, I actually kind of liked it. Here's, I think, one of the big issues with Sarah as a character is the character design. She doesn't look like she ages a fucking day. And it seems like at least, at 
least like 10 to 10 to 15 years has passed since the time they met shoddy and present day right right and physically sarah doesn't look like she's changed at all compared to like aigami and then some of the other kids that they were with like growing older and getting taller you know what i mean but aren't they like thousands of years old or am i making this up you're making this up because remember in the um when in the flashback they were abused by this older guy he um was dressed right. as semi modern like he was and he he was a white guy in Egypt first of all so they're basically just in another dimension but it yeah. could be like now basically yeah okay well then never mind what i just said I mean, I think part I think part of it in Sarah's case is definitely like the character design. She doesn't seem like she gets she's grown at all. Like Aigami and these other kids have gotten taller and they look older. They look like their age, and then here's Sarah. But it's interesting that you say that Sarah has like this regal princess sounding vibe to her. I actually saw it, all things considered, given the context of the film and um, who she was with for a while more of like a spiritual tone to her like an otherworldly tone of sorts that's how i kind of describe it okay that's how i describe it anyway but um she definitely has a lot of compassion and kindness to her voice and she's a a little sister concerned for her older brother and that's all this fun stuff um so i didn't mind it at all honestly i didn't mind it that much um i do understand what you're what you're saying though and I think a lot of it might come down to the character design, in my opinion. Um, I gummy. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> lord. This boy. This bitch loves her some I gummy. No, I never said I loved I gummy. I gummy's a piece of shit. <laughs> I know. I w- that's called sarcasm, friends. Ha <laughs> um, ha. gummy. Here's something that while we were talking about the whole obvious villain thing, I, th- I remember in my brain, I'm like, a, a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh villains are pretty obvious from the start in the original show anyway. Facts. So in all honesty, as much as I hated that being a thing, <laughs> it kind of did stick to the original in that fucking regard, so I can't be that mad at it anymore. Um, but Daniel Edwards, he he's both calming and almost kind of menacing at points. And again... It's kind of, for me, it was obvious from the get-go. Oh, this is the villain. This is the bad guy. We're going to have bad, evil times. He's going to cause issues. But um, he also had, similar to Sarah, at least starting out, a very, like, otherworldly spiritual tone because of all this dimension talk and this almost cultish horseshit uh, with Shoddy, I guess. But um, as the film progresses and as his desperation becomes much more clear he like slowly like is in a spiral going downward he's about to go down the hole (laughs) a rabbit hole into crazy land (laughs) he's about to go to wonderland except the wrong kind of wonderland he might need to go to wonderland but we'll have to put him in a padded room it's fine (laughs) did you ever see baby tiny tune adventures with little baby plucky a time ago yes he's throwing crap in the toilet (laughs) And he goes, he goes, toot, toot, toot go down, down the down hole. <laughs> he go down the hole. God damn it. <laughs> that was always his Plucky shtick. go like, down, go the, down hole. the hole. <laughs> 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 toot, toot, Sorry. Toot, toot, go down the hole. 
This is what we remember, kids. Yu-Gi-Oh! and Baby Tiny <laughs> Teen Adventure. If you get anything out of this, of today's episode, is Yu-Gi-Oh! and Baby Tiny Toon Adventures. <laughs> and the Friends theme. <laughs> and the heart of the cards, bitches. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Aigami is a very interesting character, and I think the performance... I still really like the performance in general. Um, I'm a... I'm just a little annoyed that I can tell easily that he was the villain, but then as we were talking about, I'm like, wait, all of the villains were obvious in the show. Fucking Pegasus, fucking Merrick, <laughs> fucking, Ta-da. fucking Kaiba Corp board shit, and, and Noah. I think it is not our Noah. Noah's a our Noah's a good boy. This other fucking Noah is an idiot, is an asshole, um, and an idiot. But um, yeah, I really, I honestly really enjoyed it, and then. Holy fucking shit. When the Millennium Ring comes into play at the climax of the film. Oof. Obviously, they, the sound mixing it had to like be a thing with it. But holy fuck. That was just downright crazy and insane and just evil. And I loved every freaking second of it. Like, it was great. Um, and you can kind of hear in... Dan Edwards' voice, the twinge, because this is at the point where um, the Millennium Ring has fused with him. You can hear the twinges of when it was like Bakora being possessed. You can kind of hear the twinges of the personality of the spirit of Millennium of the of the Ring come out. Oh, I, I didn't caught notice it a that. Bit. So I really appreciate that little little attention to detail it doesn't seem like it at first but the more you listen to it it's like you can kind of hear not just the mannerisms because the mannerisms that's an obvious thing but like vocal tone wise and that it could be a mix of both dan edwards performance as well as maybe the sound mixing um but you can hear those little twinges of the voice kind of matching what evil bakora kind of sounds like except with less of an accent and it's like, oh, this is actually really good. I like this a lot. Um, so it was very, very enjoyable performance. And as a movie-only character, it was definitely... I loved it. It was a strong performance in the film. You have to have a strong performance. Especially for a character that's movie-only and in a big franchise like this. Like You have to be able to make him stand out as a character. And Daniel Edwards definitely made him stand out. Uh, I think we're good to move on. We got two characters. One of them's the best character. Let's talk about the worst character first. Let's talk about Sato Kaiba, everybody. Yugi. <laughs> this is where the glove kid gloves come off, Here we boys go. and girls. Here we go, bitches. It's time to it's duel. A real duel. Get your Get game on. <laughs> That's not the right Yu-Gi-Oh. You shut your whore mouth. It's the Fuck best you. Yu-Gi-Oh. Fight <laughs> me. All right, in the cop. In the comments, guys, what's your favorite Yu-Gi-Oh? We all know the true winner here is Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. No, we know the winner is the original, so fuck you. All right, put it in the comments, folks. Put your favorite Yu-Gi-Oh! in the comments. We'll see who wins this battle. Heart of the cards, motherfuckers. I mean, I'm curious to know which one is not going to be picked, though. Probably Arc V, my second favorite. <laughs> I haven't, I've only seen parts of 5Ds and nothing past that. That's it. I know nothing I about Zexel and Arc the V and Varns. I know nothing about any of these later iterations. Oh, God. Anyway, Seto Kaiba. Best boy. Worst boy. Best boy. Anti hero. 
worst boy. Complete asshole. Best That's why boy. Gigi loves him. Love him. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so Seto Kaiba, for those who are not familiar with the show, Seto Kaiba is a genius boy. He owns a big corporation, Kaiba Corporation. He and Mokuba actually adopted. That's a point they made in the original show. Um, by this rich business asshole. And he basically took over uh, the business. And um, he does a lot of technological advances uh, for dueling and things like that. And he was hot shit until Yugi, or the Pharaoh, I should say, kicked his ass. It was a sad day. Oh, boo-hoo. Go cry in a corner. It's fine. Cry me a river, build a bridge, and get over it. I am Justin Timberlake. Why don't you keep talking or I'll start singing sexy back? (laughs) Zing. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, um... But ever since he lost to um, the Pharaoh in this instance, uh, he's like, I'm going to beat Yugi and be the number one duelist. That's basically his shtick throughout the whole fucking move, uh, film and in the movie, clearly, because that's a major plot point here. Um, so, playing Seto Kaiba, or I should say reprising the role of Seto Kaiba, is one Mr. Eric Stewart, who has been in series such as Descendants of Darkness, Shaman King, and I didn't fucking know this. He was Brock from Pokemon. I can hear it now. I can hear it too, which is shocking. I knew I loved Brock for a reason. Brock is also my best boy. (laughs) See, Brock is a good boy. I can get behind Brock being best boy. Brock is a womanizer, but I love him. Such a fucking idiot, though. But he also took care of his siblings, and he knows how to cook and shit. He's He's a good boy. He's a very good boy. Uh, so why don't you talk about your other good boy, though? Ah, oh, the best boy, Mr. Seto Kaiba. Oh, king of Kaiba Corporation. Asshole. Um, well, Kaiba has the same amount of jerk intensity as the OG Kaiba, but even better. I don't know about that. <laughs> Kaiba is the best. He just wants revenge as he should have it. I felt so bad for him. Come on. And you could feel it in his voice. All Kaiba is is like this dude who wants revenge. All he wants to do is beat the pharaoh. God damn. He's going to spend millions of dollars to yeah. beat this pharaoh. Like trying to dig him up out of the freaking I mean, like, Egyptian tombs. Either, like he's... like Something like that. That's either like strong ass commitment or goddamn obsession. Uh, I mean, he's Kaiba is crazy. Let's he not, is. Let's not front. We know he that is. Kaiba is criminally insane. Yep. But that's what makes him so engaging as a character. Yeah, you're probably, like, yeah. you're like, he's never gonna get what he wants. He's gonna lose every time. But at the same time, you want to watch him because maybe he'll just pull it out that one time, which my favorite scene in the whole movie was the uh, the scene towards the beginning where Kaiba was in a duel with the Pharaoh. And I was like, simulation. Yeah, because I didn't know the Pharaoh died. I never watched the end of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I was just like, yes, this is great. I was like, this is the best part of the movie. I read about this a while ago. and I'm like, oh. Oh, now I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I didn't know. So I was like, oh, great. If this is what the whole movie is going to be like, like I am 1000% in because I basically watched Yu-Gi-Oh! Because it, it's, it's a giant tournament arc. Mm-hmm. I love I love tournament arcs. I love the stupid <laughs> duels. I'm like, yes, bring out that dark magician girl. Get her out. Get her out. Get her out of that deck. But I was just like, okay, 
this is great. And like he brought the same intensity as original Kaiba, but more and better because now Kaiba's really mad. Like before he had a goal, but now he has a bigger goal that's like yeah. almost impossible. But you can tell like he's so committed, mm-hmm. like in his voice alone, you can tell his level of commitment oh, yeah. just to to reviving the Pharaoh and to beating him in a duel and then to beating Yugi and then to doing whatever he was trying to do to help Yugi beat the cube guy at the end. Yep. Like I was just like, the level of commitment is downright scary. And I loved it. I love Seto Kaiba. He is a good boy. I mean, you brought up a lot of good points outside of him being a good boy. But anyway, <laughs> like <laughs> Kaiba's not a good boy. Like we can't. Kaiba's really not that. a good boy, but he's, he's a good boy for me. He's a good boy to Gigi. Like, I mean, I'm surprised we didn't need the ponchos tonight, you know, but whatever. Listen, uh, <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen over there I have three blue eyes white dragons and I'm not afraid to use them I don't care I'll just bust down my dark magician fuck you <laughs> whatever I'm I I pull off some dark magician bullshit with these <laughs> trap cards and shit come on now <laughs> why don't you just keep pulling Yuki pot works? of greed god damn it everybody just pulls pot of greed 800 times just pull it out pull it all out <laughs> fuck, pot green, fuck pot that green, card three more three more god <laughs> <laughs> shit this is how we play Yu-Gi-Oh, guys. It's just <laughs> pot of greeds and blue eyes white dragons in the deck. We'll pull the pot of greed until we get the dragon out. Oh my god. <laughs> Shit. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the points you were just saying, I definitely agree with you. Um, Kaiba is another one that in the original show, there were times where I liked it. There were times where I didn't like it. But um, again, because same with Joey, same with Bakura, it definitely got smoothed out a bit more in this and um you are right with this huge ass fucking goal in mind he's like i'm gonna do this shit nobody's gonna fucking stop me and i like him being very very obsessed um with trying to beat the pharaoh again it just made him very intense and it was just a very very strong performance probably uh, the best i had ever heard of Kaiba ever oh Um, yeah and I think one of my favorite scenes, though, involving Kaiba is um, when he and Yugi were finally, little Yugi anyway, they were dueling. And um, Kaiba just would not downright believe that the Pharaoh was ever coming back. Like, Yugi kept trying to tell him, like, he's not coming back. I can't bring him back. Like, he's gone. Like, I'm not going to believe it. You're wrong. <laughs> and then legit, it took Yugi to go to the puzzle Put the last two pieces in, where like hold it in his hands and have nothing happen. But he was still just like, no, you make him come out. And he's like, no, I can't. I love do a that. man who's motivated. Get you a man who's motivated, but don't get you an asshole man who's motivated. I'm getting me a man with three blue eyes, white dragons. <laughs> just don't be an asshole. That's all you need. You can have the blue eyes, white dragons. Just don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> If you are, if you are a Yu-Gi-Oh duelist, no, Itchy, you need to get three blue eyes, white dragons. There you go. Done. She's yours. Just don't be an asshole and get those blue eyes, white dragons, and you're sold. Oh, Jesus! I got your mic over. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're having a moment right now. It's great. It's God damn fun. it. Everything's Leave fine. my poor boy.
boyfriend alone. My poor boyfriend is more Brock than Sacho Kaiba. <laughs> he can make you those donuts. It's fine. Oh my god, I would really like some jelly donuts. <laughs> jelly donuts that are rice bullshit. He makes me waffles. <laughs> oh, that's a Mickey one. That's cute. Yeah. God, that's so cute. Anyway. <laughs> See, I don't like just assholes, people. Get over it. <laughs> like, she just, fi- she likes fictitious assholes. Yes. <laughs> we gotta make the They're not gonna clear. hurt me in real life, so it's fine. <laughs> Fuck. Um, anyway. Um, but yeah, like, this is definitely the best that Kaiba has ever sounded. Um, Personally, I think of him as in, like an anti-hero kind of character, but he also really does tend to push Yugi and, well, I wouldn't say push his button. Sometimes he does, but... Like, it's really good, and I enjoy it a lot. Um, I think we're ready for the man, the myth, the legend, right? The worst boy? <laughs> I did get a few shots in. I think you're allowed to get a few in yourself. I don't really think that he's the worst boy. He's just a boy. But you know who's a better boy? Fucking Pharaoh. Hell oh. yeah. Fuck yeah. I'll say, little Yugi is adorable as shit. If, we're ta- if we were talking about Yami, though, <laughs> that is my best boy, is Yami Yugi. Little Yugi's a little twerp. <laughs> but fucking hell, Yami Yugi's amazing. Unfortunately, Yami Yugi's not in most of this movie. I know. We only get one scene with him, and I'm very sad. I'm like, damn it. Anyway, we're talking about Yugi Moto. He is the lead character, or I should say one of the two leads from the original show. Um, His other half, I should say, or the Spirit of the Millennium Puzzle, um, referred to through most of the show as Yami. Um, he is the other part of it, but we don't have him outside of one simulation scene where he duels Kaiba. Uh, so primarily in this situation, um, we're really only going to be talking about Yugi Moto as a character and as a performance. We won't really get to talk about Yami, sadly, unfortunately. I'm depressed now. But who we do get to talk about as the voice of Yugi Moto slash Yami Yugi, uh, reprising the role of either side... Uh, we have Dan Green, who has been in series such as Bakuman, Now and Then, Here and There, and Slayer's Revolution. What you think? <sighs> little Yugi, little Yugi Moto. So, never my favorite character in the original series. Yami Yugi, always a good boy. Um, oh, yeah. But I just felt like... Because we see so little of Yami in this movie, I felt that regular little Yugi was just very mellow. Like, he was very laid back here, but he also seemed to have in the vocal performance, like, more of a backbone. Like, he wasn't as whiny as Yugi in the TV show. Like, he knew, like, he was sad that Yami wasn't with him anymore, and he makes that point several times. But he knows that he has to be himself and live his life without Yami. And he accepts it. So it allows the character's voice to have more of a confident tone to it and more of a backbone. Which made me really happy watching the movie so I didn't have to hear Yugi whine a lot. Which, A+. When when we see the Pharaoh, though. Gah. 
God, why couldn't he have been more in this movie? He's fucking <laughs> gone. He can't come back. That's Dan Green at his best. I swear to <laughs> you. It, Sorry. The literal best. So no. good. Like, oh, mm-hmm. guys. I, I miss. I miss the other this, like, now I want to go watch the. Sh- I was just gonna that. say I want to go watch the whole series. Fuck! I might have to do that and start all over again. Damn it! We're doing it. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh marathon at our house. It's fine. Let's go. It's fine. Let's go. No, I I really enjoyed it. Like, as much as I didn't like the Yugi character in the series, um, I did like him a lot more in this movie just because he had a little more maturity to him, and there was a lot more maturity in the voice acting. So. Oh yeah, I was super happy, and Dan Green like, though. <laughs> like, um, I absolutely agree with that because little Yugi in the show is—he's kind of naive. He's, I mean, in the first, like, not even first core of the fucking show, he's an idiot. Trusts someone with the most powerful cars in the world, and then bye bye, they're over in the fucking ocean. He can be naive. He can be a little stubborn. Um, he's in their friend group. He's the moral center, the moral center where Tay is the heart. He's definitely the moral center of the group. And that's always been Yugi in a nutshell. And while he was kind of whiny sometimes and immature at times, again, I haven't seen the entire series itself. Um, I stopped at Orikalkos, unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever you prefer. Um, you could see that over time, he's grown a lot, especially with his connection to Yami. Um, and so obviously, I, we kind of got to see a bit of the goodbye in the film. Yes. Thank God, because I would in have had no idea what was going on. Yeah. So that does kind of help. Um, but you can see that Yami leaving and passing on to the other side greatly affects him but like you just said it's it's not gonna stop him he's gonna move forward with his life he still misses him every day and he makes that known very early on that he still misses him all the time because like having this other person as a part of you for so long and then just like him being ripped away basically it's a lot to process and especially like again this film takes place six months after the end of the show so he's still trying to process it some of the time and it, it, it sounds, in most of the sh- film itself, he's come to terms with that. That he's not going to see him again. Um, but because of Yami's influence on him too, Yuki has definitely grown as a character. So you are absolutely right. He sounds a lot more mature. He sounds like he has a goddamn backbone to him finally. And Dan Green makes it as a much more mature and on the cusp of adulthood sounding Yugi. Yep absolutely does and oh my god the part they gave me chills you know how usually in the show nine times out of ten it's yami who's just like fuck you and your bullshit <laughs> i know where this is you going. yugi had a moment where he did that basically where <laughs> before that little mini tournament between the three of them um yugi kaiba and aigami um kaiba was like I'm going to duel Igami first. And Yugi's like, fuck you. I gotta save my friend. I'm dueling this guy first. He's like, you know me by now, Kaiba. I'm not gonna stand for this. I'm gonna fi- I'm gonna help my friend first. Yugi wasn't playing, fam. 
Yugi, no. Yugi was not playing. I, I mean, he was playing. Chills. He was playing Yu-Gi-Oh. He was playing. He was playing. But still. He's playing, he's playing games. But, like, I kind of got <laughs> chills during that. And I'm like, holy shit. When this kid suddenly, like, when this kid suddenly become a fucking actual <laughs> tough guy. I'm like, holy fuck. Like, you can tell. Like, I can even tell. Because from what I know of, of the show, Yami definitely had a huge influence on his life. And he's grown so much. So I'm like, damn, Yugi. Oh, my God. You mature and you matured before our eyes it's great and i think for dan green to come back into this role too he definitely got to have the chance to make this character grow a bit more and i'm just also uh, granted i'm very sad that we don't have yami but yami still sounds fucking fantastic oh, yami even in that little scene i was so sad that the end where he appears again is non-speaking. I know. I was like, oh, yes, was finally. So sad. This like, whole movie. I was like, it's going to happen. And then it didn't. And then, like, the two of them have, like, this silent recognition of each other. And I'm like, no. Open your mouth, Yami. <laughs> say something. Say hi, at least. Say hello, Yuki. Oh, <sighs> also, side note, I loved, <laughs> I loved when Kaiba kind of mocked a phrase that Yami would normally say. In the movie, and he makes a note of it. He's like, "What did the Pharaoh always say? Playtime is over." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Sorry, I had to say that because that was funny too. But yeah, like as a character, y- Yugi definitely grew, definitely in the span of time between the end of the series and the film. But also, Dan Gr- Green grew as a voice actor, I think, as well, and that really shows um, here. And I enjoyed every second of it. So. I think on that note, my, my, my sadness of Yami aside, <laughs> I think we need to move into the, our final thoughts on um, the film. What are your final thoughts on the dub for Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side of Dimensions, Gigi? I'm glad we graduated. Yes. I'm glad we graduated to this movie because it, it looked so nice and the dub was so well produced and put together that it just... I'm going to go back and watch the original show now because now I actually want to no, see what too. happens. And I'm like, oh, it's going to sound like crap. It's going to sound that's like gonna crap be the, compared that's gonna to be the, the movie. Saddest part. It's going to be the saddest part. But at the same time, it's like, it's oh so satisfying. It's like an old friend. I I mean, I don't have the nostalgia bug for it that everybody else do. does because I, I, I watched it do. like two years ago for the first time. <laughs> So well, I kind of do because I kind of grew up with it a little bit, so I do. There you go. So you have the nostalgia. The I have the nostalgia. The me, high yeah. school graduation bug. And I'm like, I just thought this was a really nice movie. I thought it was very entertaining, except for like the 30 minutes that I thought could be cut out of it. Just because some of it just dragged for so freaking long. Just just so I know, what were the 30 minutes you were thinking? Um, They could have cut out like the whole last part of the movie and I would have been fine. Oh, with um, evil with fucking the Igami Millennium. Oh, yeah. I can, I can see that. Like, with Evil Cube, I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, like, I, I can see that. I literally you, thought I mean, it was going to You, you could have probably ended it with the duel between Kaiba and Yugi, honestly. Yeah, I would have been. But you also have to do the end of the world bullshit. <laughs> Apocalypse now. I'm a, I am aware. Um, But no, I really enjoyed it. I actually had a really good time watching this movie. Um, Unlike yeah. the other movies that I have watched for 
our dub talk series like I didn't have a very strong emotional attachment to the series as a whole I mean I love Yu-Gi-Oh but it wasn't like oh my god Sailor Moon is my nostalgia boner and then Black Butler is my I love all the characters in Black Butler so this was just like kind of nice for me to like kind of chill out and like watch over three days because it took me three days to watch it um (laughs) yeah I have no attention span guys unless it's like seven seeds I'm not gonna sit down and watch it um but I really liked it. Like it, I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. So that's a plus. And for anyone who actually saw this in the theaters, like I bet it looks stupid nice on a big screen. Oh my god, it probably looks stupid nice. And then like, if you got the true Yu-Gi-Oh fans, like, because when I saw My Hero Two Heroes in the theaters, like it was a good audience that were cheering and all this fun shit. I can imagine people going to the theaters to see this and it's the exact same thing. Like you're cheering for you're cheering for like everybody and like making the laughs and the jokes and things like that. It's, it, I uh, I would have loved to see this in theaters if it was available at the time for me. Yeah, so I liked it. I I liked it more than I thought I would. And it was really nice to revisit these characters and have them sound yeah. great as opposed to oh just you know, 15 years ago dubbed good yeah. you know what i'm yeah. saying absolutely like legit people keep saying that this is the best Yu-Gi-Oh has ever sounded absolutely they are right like with the advancement in te- both in technology as well as the anime market in general in the in north america like you can tell that more tender love and care was put into this dub in general like, absolutely, you can tell. Everything is much more smooth and refined. And you still had those fun little quirks that the original had. So it didn't lose its heart. And I think that's the best part about this movie. Um, is its heart. Aww. It's just more refined. And <laughs> for me, all things considered, my last two years doing some of the movies has been mostly, like, dramatic dramatic films or fun little fantasy films i haven't had hit the nostalgia train yet so this is my first one hitting the nostalgia train or the franchise train choo choo Um, i know you were on the other two franchise ones i'm always on the franchise one and then jet and um zen did pokemon last year like here's our other franchise for the here's our franchise for the fucking year right like hands down Yu-Gi-Oh, (laughs) ta-da <laughs> I think this is the only franchise actual movie we have for the lineup, if I remember right. No, technically, no. Never mind. We have My Hero. Um, but the film itself is spectacular. It's spectacular looking. The plot can be a little contrived itself, though. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It's. You kind of can't help it. You gotta basically mash in a, like what could be an entire arc in a fucking TV series into a two-hour film, essentially. It's a children's cartoon, let's be real. It's a, it's a children's cartoon, and yet we here we are as adults. <laughs> um, loving, loving and obsessing over it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of the dub itself, like it has fantastic direction. The writing is rather solid. Um, I know Gigi loves her jokes. Um, I feel like it didn't force the jokes with too much. Um, it didn't force them where they th- could have potentially forced them and came na- naturally, which is great. Um, and at the end of the day, this is a great sounding dub. It was fantastic to hear all these voice actors come back to basically reprise these characters 
and it's just oh it's so fantastic because again i originally watched start watched some of Yu-Gi-Oh when i was a teenager and i was first starting into anime but i didn't know Yu-Gi-Oh was actually an anime it was one of those phases aha uh-huh. oh it was just before because the first anime the first time i actually discovered what an anime was with was with wolf's Rain. um but i watched some of Yu-Gi-Oh prior to that um as well as like digimon pokemon that that whole cycle right there so, I loved the show even before I discovered it was an anime and what anime was. So, it's a very poignant show for me, in all honesty, in my nostalgia and my growing up phase. Um, I remember sneaking away at my dad's house upstairs to the TV to try and catch it before I get yelled at for being upstairs for too long. <laughs> this is how my life works, ladies and gentlemen. Because um, apparently I watched too much TV when I was a child. I still probably do. Uh, <laughs> now we get paid to watch TV. I know. It's great. But um, anyway, yeah, for those who are fans of Yu-Gi-Oh! as a franchise, you're going to love this film. It's everything you loved about Yu-Gi-Oh! But much more refined. Um, and like Gigi said at the beginning, it's a love letter. It's a love letter to the show, and it is an anniversary special, essentially. Um, but overall, it's a fun, kick-ass film. It's action-packed. You're going to love it. And the dub is absolutely drop-dead amazing. So if you have the time or the opportunity to buy this, I would, I honestly would say you should. That's my opinion. But um, anyway, if you want to be able to see Yu-Gi-Oh! The Dark Side of Dimensions, there are a few ways to do so. Uh... You can physically own the film. It is available through Right Stuff. It is also available at local retailers like Walmart, Best Buy, etc. Um, however, if you don't want to dish out the cash to buy it, you can actually stream it. It is available currently on Hulu uh, with the English dub attached to it automatically. I don't think the Japanese is on Hulu. It's, it's not. It's just the dub. It's just the it's just the dub. Mm-hmm. Um, so unfortunately. And I do, we don't have a physical copy to tell if the Japanese is on that. I highly doubt it, though, um, considering who produced and released the um, dub. I think it's 4K media, if I'm right. Um, but anyway, yeah, like there are ample opportunities and ways to legally watch this film. And you, if you're a fan of the, of the Yu-Gi-Oh! series, you absolutely should. Um, and if you are a fan of us here at Hey. Okay, our usual goddamn spiel. Uh, if you want to catch more things from us, such as some of the movies, we're going to be continuing on, I believe, because this comes out, mind you, we're recording this like at least a month or, or in advance. Um, I believe this comes out early August, and if I am correct, the next film in the lineup that should be coming up is Hells, I believe is next. I gotta watch that movie. I haven't seen it. Let me... Um, Hells is going to be next week, so we are slowly ending, getting towards the tail end of season three of some of the movies. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Sad trombone. But, um, but as we are almost done, there's still plenty of fun in store. So if you want to listen to anything that we do here at Dub Talk, um, easiest way to do that, of course, is to, um, subscribe to us here on YouTube. Uh, we also have a Twitter, Instagram, tumblr which is dead uh and a twitch account um at uh dub talk podcast uh, we also have if you want to support us in a completely different way um and 
help us grow as a channel and as our own little project um we do have you can become a patreon if you wish to do so um link for that will be in the description but if you also want to if you don't want to commit to like a monthly uh subscription of some kind uh you can we also have our uh, coffee account down below if you just want to just do like a one-time uh, donation kind of thing for us um if you choose to do so we appreciate it. if not that's okay that's okay we, we like money we're all adults here we like money, but we also stand, understand that adulting is a pain in the ass. I don't, and that money is a good thing. I to don't want to talk about it. Oh, God. Gigi's, Gigi's going through some rough shit right now. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that those are the best ways to follow us. If you want to support us, all that fun stuff. Uh, if you're interested in anything that Gigi and I normally do, you can follow Gigi on Twitter at AnimePalooza. She also has her YouTube channel, AnimePalooza, for unboxings and fun little f other podcasts that she does. All the 20 million fucking podcasts she does. <laughs> God, child. People like to listen to me talk about stuff. I can't help it. I know. That's why we keep you around, Gigi. We love you wah, here. Wah, sad trombone. <laughs> sad trombone? What the? Camu, anyway, please step on um, me. <laughs> and Uda, please step. Um, and uh, if you are interested in anything that I do, you can follow me on Twitter at like Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I also have a blog that I have not I have not updated in the longest time. It's called Life and Times of an Otaku, and you can find it at lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com. Uh, I believe that is everything. So yeah, we are almost at the tail end of Summer of the Movies. We only have uh, two left, and next week is hell, so look forward to that. Um, is there anything else we need to say, Gigi, before we just uh, before we end this game? Yes, there is one more thing what? I have to say. What? It's time to do We haven't done that yet tonight. Yeah, bitches. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for God, Gigi, this is I realize this is the first time I've actually done an episode where it's just you and I. I know, right? I know! We need to do this more often. God. We do. So it's so much fun. Anyway, distracted, distracted, distracted. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Summer at the Movies. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you come back here next week. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna have to bounce. I think Gigi's about to pull out another blue eyes on me. You know, you better get that pot of greed ready to try and God. defend against my blue eyes white dragon. Find that fucking dark magician again in the deck. Watch, he's at the bottom of the deck. God damn. I stole him. No, you did not. He's in my dark magician bed right now <laughs> love your faces fam have a good night everybody and until and of course as always until next time otaku on my friends Bye.